my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proof that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift of my father, my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid them from their sight, hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day walk from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present were Peter, John, James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James son of Alphaeus and Simon the Zealot and Judas son of James. They all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. Thank you, Hilary. Let's pray together. Loving God, as your word has gone out, may your word enter into our hearts and minds this morning. Thank you that your word is living and vibrant. May we all seek to be alive in God today. Amen. So if we can put the uh, screen on the air, thank you. So the theme is being alive in God during a time of transition and change. And I gather you're in a, a sermon series at the moment about discovering Jesus and encountering church. And I talked to Paul uh, a few weeks ago about uh, that series a little bit. And uh, as I was thinking about what to share today, it's actually a message that sits between both those themes. 
uh, about what it means to discover Jesus and to encounter church. And that is what's going on in this passage in Acts chapter 1. It's the in-between stage, the time when, when Jesus, Jesus uh, uh, is about to be ascending into heaven and before the Holy Spirit comes at Pentecost. And it's what happens in between. A time of transition and change. It fits well with where I think the church is right now, not only Shirley Baptist, but churches across our nation as we seem to come out of COVID and the pandemic. And there are all sorts of questions about what the church is and how the church responds at this time. What is church? There are a few encounters I've had with people over the past few weeks. A person said to me recently, "Um, I've always been committed to my church. I am a trustee at the church. But to be honest, I've stepped off leadership since COVID. I know the pastor is heavy-hearted, but I just don't feel I can commit like I used to. Another person said to me, we went for a walk, and he said, I want to talk to you about where I'm at in my spiritual life. And he said, I I still believe in Jesus, but I just don't get the church anymore. And he was asking me a question, shall I press the stop button on going, or should I just hang on in there? What do you want me to do? Another person was in the car park at the church I'm, I'm currently at, and His wheelchair broke down and his wife was getting a coffee from the the coffee shop there and she was bringing it out and his wheelchair was broken and she was in a real kerfuffle and he was a bit stressed out and so uh, just had a time with them and we stopped and anyway got to know them and they're actually members of another church and they were just visiting uh, our car park and not the car park but the cafe and um, that would be a bit random. and, uh, and then as we started chatting, they were just sharing about their own struggle with church. Um, they said, over Christmas time, we had this amazing opportunity to reach out to our community. And so we publicized and we got people involved and we were really excited. But do you know what? The numbers didn't turn up like we thought they would. And we've got really big questions, not only about my broken wheelchair but also about where is church at the moment. The Evangelical Alliance has a report about returning back to church post-COVID and says that actually people are returning back in fairly good numbers, but their engagement in church is very different. It's not the same as what it once was. So it's clear to me, both upon reports that are written by people about church life, but also uh, personal conversations with people, that church is facing a challenging time right now. For some people, these times of change are really exciting. Good opportunities. Uh, There is provocation. We need to change things and turn things around and make church much more accessible for the outsider, let alone for those who have been Christians for years and years and years but are struggling with commitment today. But there's an exciting opportunity. For others, change can be very daunting and quite a lot of anxiety and stress. 
Well, Acts 1 is about this moment of change and this moment of transition. Luke writes to Theophilus and says, look, you know, the disciples have encountered Jesus. You are encountering Jesus through your sermon series right now. And Luke writes about all the things that Jesus did in the past, how he showed himself to the apostles, how he gave many convincing proofs that he is alive after his death, about how Jesus spoke about the kingdom of God, about how Jesus is promising the gift of the Holy Spirit, all really exciting stuff. And the apostles have journeyed with Jesus for three years They have discovered Jesus. But Luke writes to say, what does it mean to really discover Jesus in a way that you can be alive in God in a time of transition and change? You're expecting the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's not yet turned up, it seems. So what are you going to do? How are you going to hold on to faith? How are you going to be committed to the core of what it means to follow Jesus? The first thing I want to say is that the call of church and the call of being a follower of Jesus is to recognize what it means to be rooted in him in that time of change. When there are so many questions, when there are so many pressures, when there are so many things that are causing us in our own lives to think about our spiritual walk, I want to encourage you to be reminded of being rooted in Jesus once again. Maybe that's an obvious point in the sermon series that you're in right now about discovering Jesus. But what this is, it's what someone calls recalibrating the spiritual heart and mind mind. of Christians. A turning around a conversion once again to following Jesus in ever deeper ways, being rooted in who he is. To quote someone, they said, maybe the most important task of the Western church right now is to reclaim the centrality of Jesus, his life, his mission, kingdom, and invitation to discipleship. With so much disillusionment around the church, getting our eyes fixed back on Jesus and being transformed in his likeness with fresh vision and wonder is essential. When I heard from Paul that that's what you're doing, I was really excited. Discovering Jesus with fresh vision and wonder is essential for the church today be rooted in the promises of Jesus. For Jesus said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. To the very end of the age, I will be with you always. To a fractured society, broken community, being together with Jesus, rooted in him, is absolutely essential. For others of you, there is a real need in a place where you're experiencing loss and hopelessness. That promise of Jesus, come to me all who are burdened and heavy laden and I will give you rest. Some of you are coming back to church broken or distant from God and you need to experience not more activity in church 
but more engagement in a relationship with Jesus, to rest in his presence. Jesus said, I've come to give you life and all its fullness, life abundantly. There are many Christians for whom that still hasn't sunk in quite yet. Dare I say, there's quite a few miserable Christians out there. What does it mean to be excited, to be full, to be filled with that, the presence of Christ in such a way that the world might know? Well, the promise of that great commission, which is said in various different ways, you know, go and make disciples, or as the Father sent me, so I send you. Is our discipleship, is our being rooted in Jesus causing us to be the people of mission? Or are we rooted in Jesus in such a way where we can hear the promise, I will build my church and nothing will prevail against it. The gates of hell will not prevail. Even in vulnerability, even in weakness, even when the church is on its knees, the promises of Jesus are such that the church will rise. Basically, it comes back to to the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is God's faithfulness. The second is to be alive to the power of the Holy Spirit. The question in verse 6, Lord, are you at this time going to restore uh, the kingdom to Israel? That's what they're asking at this time when Jesus has risen from the dead and just about to ascend to the Father. The question on the hearts and minds of the apostles is this. Are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? It's an understandable question. Looking to Jesus, emphasizing, you, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? That's a question of hope, spiritually, politically, socially, for the people of Israel who had been battered under Roman rule, the people of Israel They were hoping to rise and be a people who would belong to the reign of God. But it's a question that is closed and not open. It's a question that is narrow rather Rather than broad. broad. It's a question that abdicates responsibility and looks elsewhere instead. It's a question that says, Jesus, you are the one, but we have no place in the mission of which you're a part. It's a question that actually limits the possibility and the potential of Jesus' followers. It's a question that says, Jesus, it's all down to you. And that's right in so many ways. But Jesus responds back and says, you actually will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses. This is the amazing miracle before the miracle of Pentecost, is that Jesus entrusts his followers 
with his very mission. And I still actually have to pinch myself to think that's why God's way of working. Because God's mission can carry on without us, thank you very much. But God chooses at this very moment to say, you also are my witnesses. I am not the answer to your question, but you are the answer alongside me, says Jesus. It's Jesus empowering the people of God to say, belong to me, be rooted in me, but also be a part of the mission of which is in the world. It's the power of the Holy Spirit to ignite the church once again to that place of excitement and renewal, that place of restoration and hope. It's actually Jesus saying, I have risen from the dead. Now rise in your own walk as you follow me. But the issue of power is interesting, the power of the Holy Spirit. I love this quote from Charlie Chaplin. You need power only when you want to do something harmful. (laughs) Otherwise, love is enough to get everything done. (laughs) The power of the Holy Spirit is the power of love to a world that feels and experiences lovelessness. Or another way of putting it is lost to a world that seems like there is little love or there is a lost sense of community, of belonging, of life in all its fullness. The church, in the power of the Spirit, has to rise with a message of love that Jesus is Lord and will restore all things. And the church is a part of that. But you may not be convinced. You may not be thinking this is helpful at all. You may want to question what I'm saying. Well, come at 2.30 and then, you know, I'll be here just as a sitting duck to take questions. I don't know what you think, whether this is too forceful or not. But I heard this quote and I love it. God uses broken things. It takes broken soil to produce a crop broken clouds to give rain, broken grain to give bread, broken bread to give strength. It is Peter weeping bitterly who returns greater power than ever. Basically, this quote is saying, when the church is breaking down, then there is the possibility for renewal out of brokenness. The picture on the left is my knee. And uh, I've had five knee operations in the last four years. I love sport, but I can't run like I used to. My knees are dodgy. And um, I'm 48. That's my age. But the surgeon said to me, you've got knees of an 88-year-old. Sorry sorry if there's anyone 88 out there. You've probably got better knees than I have. The point being that my knee is not perfect. It needs support. It needs help. I don't know how I got through hockey and football the other night, really. I've suffered ever since, actually. But the church needs support, and the support comes through the Spirit. And when the Spirit enables the church, and the church is open to the life of the Spirit, then 
amazing things can happen. But the church too is broken. The church is not perfect. Our witness to the world is a witness of open dependency upon God. There isn't really much difference between me and a fellow person down the road who's not a Christian, apart from I do confess and say that I am in desperate need of a loving relationship with Jesus, who is my every source, my every hope, my every dependency. And that's my testimony. I am broken, but I know I am being healed. If you are at the end of yourself, said Michael Frost, if you are at the end of yourself, you are ripe for renewal. Not when you're a perfect Christian, but when there's imperfection and there's questions and there's doubts. It's then that you are ripe for renewal. I don't know whether SBC is a perfect church or not. You could tell me that. But if there's imperfection here, it's not the place for judgment, but the place for renewal. Thirdly, Thirdly, experiencing God together in community. They were looking intently into the sky. What an interesting phrase. Hannah often says, Matt, you've got your head in the clouds. Which is another way of saying, just get a bit more grounded. You are looking intently into the sky. I love actually looking into the sky. This is a photo I took as I walked towards Holy Island, uh, Lindisfarne in Northumberland. And I was on uh, just doing a, a, a retreat. And there was no one else around. And the sky was massive and amazing. And I just felt God's presence. It was an incredible moment. I love taking photos of the sky. I lift my eyes up to the mountains. Where does my help come from? Psalm 121. Colossians 3, 1 to 2. Since then you've been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. You know, it's a biblical thing to look up into the sky. But the two men dressed in white said to the apostles, Men of Galilee, they said, said, Why why do do you stand here looking intently into the sky? Basically, they were questioning their perspective. They were saying it's not about simply looking up, but it's about looking around. The in-between times, the times of discovering Jesus and encountering church, there is that temptation to look up. And to look up is a good and godly thing. But coming back from that, there is a sense where Jesus looks down and says, you... Remember that, you. You are to be my witness, not as an individual, but as a collective, as a church, as a community. Some Some people are so heavenly minded that they are no earthly good, said Oliver Wendell Holmes. Or Tom Wright says, people who believe in the resurrection, in God making a new world, a whole new world in which everything will be set right at last, are unstoppably motivated to work for that new world in the present. This is the resurrection power breaking into the reality on the streets of Stratford Road. This is a church in love with Jesus to such an extent that that love radiates all around.
This is a community call, not an isolated individual call, as if the mission of God is just for one or two people, but it's for the community of faith, the collective, the whole church, in whole discipleship, following the goodness of God. And the last thing is that um, to be alive in God is to be courageous and contagious in prayer. The apostles returned from looking up and they were sent and uh, they went back to Jerusalem and they went upstairs and they were were joined in prayer. I love that. The very moment when Jesus says, you are to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, what's the first thing they do? Not get in active mode, but get in prayerful mode. I don't know whether you've seen Charlie Mackesy's paintings and pictures of, of the boy, the horse, and the mole. Uh, he's a wonderful artist, and he came to faith um, through Alpha. And uh, he writes, uh, sorry, he, he, he draws in such a way with a, a, a message in each of his drawings. And one of his drawings is of, uh, of the boy who, who says, everyone is a bit scared. And the horse replies to the boy, Yes, but we are less scared together. (laughs) Love that. Another occasion, uh, the boy says, I can't see a way through. And the horse says, can you see your next step? Yes, said the boy. And the horse says, just take that. Discipleship, sometimes we, we, we can't see the end or we can't see where it's going. Uh, uh, But discipleship begins with the step into prayer, which sounds so obvious. But I don't know whether you've done in this church the prayer course. It's a wonderful way for the community of God's people to engage together in praying. And when we pray, whether that be prayers that are like the telescope. And the microscope, the microscopic prayers are the prayers for the small things, and the telescope are the prayers for the big things. Whatever aspect of prayer and all things in between, there is the possibility of growing deeper in God and deeper deeper out out into the world. For, as Bart Bart says, to clasp the hands in prayer is the beginning of an uprising against the disorder of the world. And if you take no other image away with you today, then perhaps that quote with the Ukrainians kneeling in the snow in order that they would confront the disorder of the world. President Zelensky vowed that the country will be rebuilt Even if you destroy all our Ukrainian Ukrainian cathedrals cathedrals and churches, you will not destroy our faith our sincere belief in Ukraine and in God. That was a quote of a cry in prayer. So, to be seeking to be alive alive to God, God, for you in this church, whatever comes of Wednesday, be rooted in the promises of Jesus. Open to the power of the Holy Spirit moving among you in this place. 
experience God together in community when the world outside is so fractured and be courageous and contagious in prayer I loved what happens at the end of the passage it's not just the apostles that pray but Luke really wants to point out that women joined in prayer too it's not just a male female thing it's that prayer grows that more people get involved in prayer and my encouragement for you as a church is that this church will be on fire for God in its prayer life. And out of that resting and being rooted in Jesus, that the mission of God would be simply a natural reality and characteristic of SBC. Amen. come to uh, lead us in a couple of songs, Holy Spirit, living breath of God, and then love came down and rescued me. Maybe you'd like to respond this morning to each of those four points. Maybe you don't feel rooted at all in Jesus right now, but this is a time to make that recommitment, to follow Jesus once again, or to receive the promises of Jesus, to experience the presence of Jesus in your life. Or maybe as we hear the music and center ourselves in Christ, the Holy Spirit comes among us and the living breath of God breathes new life into you once again. Maybe to experience community together after this service, to go and speak to someone you haven't spoken to for some time, but you feel like the need to actually do that this morning, to be community. Or maybe you want to reach out for prayer, there's a prayer need in your life and uh, you feel that you'd love to be prayed for. It'd be great if there is a sense of responding that your life may be encouraged in Christ this morning.